1: money over 50 today we've got
0: another listener question yeah this question comes through from mike Um, mike thanks for submitting your question it's a real beauty Mm, this one uh so it took a fair bit bit of prep work bit of prep work and calculations um so i suspect that there's quite a few listeners that this would uh would would certainly be a similar situation to yep in some respect so mike's inquiry comes through and says hi guys I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. Like many, we haven't focused as much on our super as perhaps uh, we should have over the years, but instead we've invested in property to try and secure our retirement. I suspect we aren't alone in the strategy either, so I'd love to hear you cover this in a future podcast, especially as it relates to options and regulations for selling down these investments and rolling profit into super where possible uh, or keeping some to supplement retirement income. Clearly, capital gains tax must come into the equation, as does the total amount actually allowed to be deposited into super uh, versus income tax and costs associated with keeping investment properties. So if you want to, Mike's given us permission to use uh, himself and his wife, Janine, as, a, as an example. Uh, he mentions that our situation is, fo- is as follows. Mike and Janine, age 56, combined superannuation balance is 410,000. Rental property one has a current value of six hundred thousand dollars. The purchase price uh, and also the loan balance is two hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and it pays rent uh, of nineteen thousand dollars before expenses. Property two is almost identical. It's six hundred thousand dollars. Sorry, six hundred thousand dollars value, a purchase price slash loan balance of two hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and income of nineteen thousand dollars before expenses per year. And rental property number three is a current value of $600,000, purchase price slash loan balance uh, of $400,000, and the income is marginally higher at $21,000 per year before expenses. So um, we are planning to retire in about five years. would love to hear you explore the options, Mike. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Mike.
1: Uh, and so, Michael, you've got into the weeds with this. You've got the, the Dead Sea Scrolls of, of spreadsheets <laughs> that, you've, that you've looked at that you've we, prepared. This is something that you you did look at this just recently for a client, so, admit, I did, so yeah. you had the, you had the template yes. uh, in hand. So, um, yeah, I think you, Mike's obviously, I think in, in front of a, a few people here, where we often, like you said, a lot of people have a similar strategy, and it is something that we see a lot of. Mm. What where they, these guys have already started to take a few things into account, which we'll which we look at here is um, that, that a lot of people don't take into account is you know the holding costs of keeping those properties over the next five years. Yes. So that's number one that I see a lot of the time where people kind of think about well, what will this be worth in five years and, and what else could we do with that, but not not taking into account well, how much is it going to cost us to keep paying those loans and, and, keep, you know, and hold those properties over the next five years. So that's the first one that yep. I think there we see. Uh, Realise that there is a cost associated that it it has to be taken into account, um, and then capital gains tax is the other big one that, mm. that, and that we'll look at is that it obviously needs to needs to be taken into account, but it needs to also tie in with income tax, which is the other thing. So yes. those are those I think are the two uh, the two things that people don't tend to take into account um, is the the tax side of that um, now and in retirement, or is in mm. when you go to sell this down, and the holding costs on the way through. And the third one, which I don't think um, anyone really thinks about too much, because human nature is we really struggle with this, which is opportunity cost, which is something that you'll talk about here. Is what are your other options? What else could you do? Because yeah, it's very right. easy to stack something up and go, well, does it make sense to keep this or do this? If you go, well, what are my other options? What else could I do with that with that money? On yeah, the way it's, it's
0: probably one of the biggest ones that hold people back. Is is um, uh, like anchoring sometimes, yeah. like where they, yeah. don't, they don't want to sell a property because they yeah. aren't going to get what they think that they paid yeah. for it, or, yeah. or so that brings into play opportunity cost in a yeah. in, a, in yeah. a major way. Yeah, because this
1: um, ties into a recent podcast about what to do when you make a mistake, because that that is something that um, yeah, like you nice
0: cross sale, <laughs> very nice cross selling <laughs> it,
1: it's true though, because you, yeah. you go people get into a position and then go. They come, I'll tie in all the different emotional biases here, but yep. the confirmation bias comes in where they go. Yep. I don't want to accept that this might have been a mistake. I yep. just go, well, am I going to be in a better position than in five years' time than what I am now? Yep. If the answer is yes, well, then I've got enough justification to just keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. Whereas what these yep. guys have done, which is which is I think um, really powerful, is to go, okay, well, we know that in five years' time we will be in a better position, but yes. is that the absolute best position that we could we be, can be in? in. Yeah. So um, yeah, looking forward to get into it. So going
0: through, um, first of all, I'd like to start with the the holding costs of the property before we actually look at anything else. and I'm going to I'm going to come up with a figure, uh, an annual maintenance figure per property. Yeah, and that figure is going to reach seven and a half thousand dollars per annum. Yeah, and a lot of people would say no, it's no any of that, that. but it is, and and here's where I've come up with those figures. So. um, I'm going to say that if you own a house, and we're talking about owning a house here for rental purposes for term, because yep. the, the whole scenario is... is every, um, every, I think this Do is, I hold it forever? Yeah. Or do I hold it for five years? Yeah. Do I hold it, you know, get rid of it now? Um, the
1: expected value of, of that holding that each year is, is what we're looking for here. And that's, that's I think, the key, is that you can't say, in this next year, I might not spend 7500 You may well not, but you might also that, spend
0: 15000 That's That's correct. That's spot on. So... Um, the, the obvious costs that stick out to me are that every 15 years, the house will need a paint in the inside and the out. Yep. Um, and that's going to cost somewhere in the ballpark of $40,000. And we're not looking at penny pinching here. We're looking yep. at approximate ballpark costs. Yep. Um, so we're saying $40,000 yep. uh, every 15 years for paint inside and out. That comes to $2,666 per year on average. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to say that every 15 years the split system air conditioning uh, needs for the entire house needs uh, to be replaced yeah. which is cost about twenty thousand dollars now I know because mine need a replacing <laughs> after years. yep so um, and that's what it cost it costs twenty thousand dollars yeah so so it's um, an extra that's 13, an extra thirteen hundred dollars a year yeah. Yep. And then I'm going to say that every single 20 years, um, a rental house where people don't take good care of it as much as you. Um, In fact, probably every house would need this anyway. You're going to need to replace the floor coverings at least once uh, over that period of time, even if they're tiles. uh, You're going to need new bathrooms. You're going to need a new kitchen. That's about the the longevity of Of each of those those types of things. So that's going to be... $50,000 $50,000 or thereabouts every 20 years, which is $2,500 per year. Yep. And then there's going to be general maintenance every year where I've said, uh, yeah, electrician comes you know, once, and a plumber comes once. Yep. There's a $1,000. Yep. Um, and There's, there's other bits and pieces. There is definitely stuff that I have left off yep. here. There's stuff that I've forgotten. There's stuff yep. that's... Um, yeah, you know, hot water systems and yeah. things like that, um, yeah. light fittings, all yeah. of those types of things. There's all these things. Um, what all that comes to though is seven and a half thousand dollars per year. Yeah, and people are shocked at that. Yeah, and, and
1: and I think that's that's the key is that you go, you've broken that down very clearly. So, mm. if 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 that's a surprise or if you don't agree with that, then then you can choose where to
0: refute it, but you can't refute
1: that yeah. those numbers add up to 7500
0: dollars a year. So so. Yeah. so when we look at... So, let's look at, at property number one. And the, and what's really helpful, Mike, thanks for having properties with similar values. Yeah. Paying <laughs> <making> similar <laughs> amounts of rent. Yeah. So, because um, they're all worth $600,000, yeah. these three properties. Yeah. And they pay between $19,000 and $21,000 a yeah. year in rent. Yeah. Um when we break down the costs yeah. away so, from that, though, yeah, so we find that you're not keeping anywhere near a hundred percent of the rent. In fact, the figure comes down, yeah, to much okay. lower than that.
1: I, I feel like I want to do a, a a warning at the start to go: We're just going to use these figures, and and if you're listening, if you're at different locations around Australia, all of these figures are going to be different depending on where you are. We don't know where these houses are. We don't know exactly what these amounts are, but we think that's a reasonable estimate yeah. of, of each of these costs, so. If you're in North
0: Queensland, add yeah. more to it, <laughs> yeah, because that's it's, right. it's more expensive <laughs> here. Uh, so rent coming in, property number one, $19,000. Yep. Rates and water, $2,500 going out, yep. that's one expense. Um, insurance, landlord's insurance, home in, home insurance and yep. landlord's insurance, no contents insurance, because it's a rental property, yep. $2,500. Yep. Um, real estate fee, Yep. 10% of the rent, yep. $1,900. Maintenance, $7,500, 1.25% of the, the yep. value of the property. Yep, comes to $14,400 of total expenses before the interest on the loan. Yep. So $19,000 comes in, $14,400 goes out. Um, Mike and Janine are keeping, I'm guessing, around about 4600 p per, per year. Mm-hmm. Um, property number one, uh, property number two, the same figures, Nineteen thousand dollars comes in. Total expenses 44. go out of fourteen thousand four hundred. You keep four thousand six hundred dollars. Um, property number three, a little bit more rent comes in, twenty one thousand dollars. The 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 expenses are similar, excepting for the fact that the real estate fee in dollar terms is much right. higher because yeah. it's a percentage. <coughs> the total expenses of fourteen thousand six hundred, rent of twenty one thousand dollars. You keep six thousand four hundred dollars. So. Mm-hmm. If we add up what you're keeping um, before you pay interest on the loan or the loans, yeah. uh, 4600 from property number one and two each, uh, 6400 from property number three, a combined amount of $15,600 is, yeah. what, um, is, is whats you're keeping out of out yeah. of that yeah. um, before you meet the interest on the loan. So, and
1: that's- that, that hits very neatly into your, your first conclusion, which jumps out at, at
0: most people. Well, the first opinion. conclusion, we see this with a lot of people. And I think, um, Mike, in your email, you've actually alluded to the fact that you, you resigned yeah. uh, to it's selling good. them at some stage yeah. because of this reason. And the first reason is that it's the classic case of asset-rich, income, poor. So $1.8 million of property. Yeah. After all of those expenses, yeah. um, you, you get good. to keep in the hand before interest on the loan before taxes, yeah, fifteen thousand six hundred per year. So the first conclusion is, even if you paid the debts off yeah. over the next five years, um, fifteen thousand six hundred dollars of rent in the hand isn't going to be enough to anywhere near enough to yeah. live on, yeah. Uh, in in retirement, so it's a it's a it's asset rich in the yeah. terms of one point eight million dollars. I think the property okay. value, but the yeah. the income is really really poor from that from that. And, and, and it certainly it just won't work in retirement. And it doesn't.
1: I mean, it's only got to. As we said, you can torture these numbers as much as you want, but you cannot make that that net rental income stack up anywhere near what you are going to need to live on. You know, so that's that's assuming the amount. Of, I've heard this many, many, many times. Is that yes, I'll buy this property and I'll I'll have it paid off by the time I am retired, and I'll live mm. off the rent. And we can look at that and you know, even even assuming you've got one point eight million dollars worth of property. Completely paid off, all yeah. all debts paid out. Everything else, you you've got sixteen thousand dollars a year to live on. It's yeah. not going to happen. You are going to have to sell down those properties yep. at some point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think and and that's as you said, Michael, to that point, is that the resignment of the fact that this has to happen at some stage because you just can't live off you yes. can't live off that. So, anyone that anyone that is listening to this or anyone that if you're talking to that says, oh, well, we're going to have this property, we'll pay
0: it out, we'll live off the rent. You're not going to be able to. You are yeah. going to have to sell that property. Yeah. And people actually, people often comment on the, the weekly rental in dollar terms. So they say, yeah, I'm getting $400 a week yeah. For rent. Yeah. But when you break down the cost there, you're yeah. really only keeping $100 of that. Yeah. Because, because yeah. after all those costs are stripped out, mm. um, you know, you're keeping about 25%, about a quarter of what the rent yeah. coming in is after all those expenses are met. Yeah. And like I said, that's before we've even looked at the current loans yeah. that Mike and Janine have on those, yeah. on those properties. So with the first conclusion, yeah. um, that makes it easy because you resign to the fact that you will have to sell it at any point in time, assuming you want to live off more than $15,600 yeah. of, of, uh, of income every year. Yeah. So if, like, if you want to live on that, it's fine. Just go on the age pension. Go on yeah, a job seeking go we're, we're good. We
1: don't even need to stop listening to the podcast. It's fine. Don't worry about well, it. Well, the miraculous
0: thing is you'd, you'd even have that much income. You wouldn't get a cent of age pension with that much. Yeah, that your assets. assets yeah, would um, be too high. But. And, and of course, um, yeah. Mike and Janine, they're only age 56. They want to retire yeah. in five years. So be what, what I mean is mean if you're, if what you're, what you're happy to live on 16, <laughs> you don't need 1. You don't, don't 8. need 1.8 million. Yeah, you're right. You've
1: reached enlightenment. You're sitting in a cave somewhere eating a bowl of rice. <laughs> <It's
0: True. why. laughs> um, so the question really becomes more, do you sell now? Yeah. And, and what are the differences in selling now? Opportunity costs you mentioned before, Dallas is a big one. Yeah. Um, or do you sell later? Yep. Yeah. And look, the classic, I guess the classic comparison here would be you would either sell now yeah. um, or you would sell in the first new financial year after, after you have retire. retired. Yeah. And, and there's a way to actually um, to minimize capital gains tax yep. a little bit enable yep. you know, in, in, in doing that yeah in doing that if you if you actually retire and then sell in yeah. the first you know financial year where you don't have any income from working is a way to actually it's, it's a common I yeah. guess strategy to minimize capital gains tax bit of a misconception people think that gets them out of capital gains tax yep. Um, in Mike and Janine's case, it wouldn't, yeah. and we'll go through those figures. Yeah, so I guess the good news is that Mike, uh, you actually have made some capital gains. Yeah. on these properties. So yeah. it's you, a great you, problem you to it's have. A good, <laughs> it's a good problem to have. So yeah. um, you've, yeah. you've 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 um, um, done you've done well from the, the point of view if you're selling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, assuming the prices stay relatively stable, yeah. you've actually made quite a bit of money from yeah. there. So. Um, before that, before we get to the capital gains tax issue, just just go through the true holding cost of that property. So we just said for the for the three properties, we look at the rents less the expenses, mm-hmm. which pays about fifteen thousand six hundred uh, for, for the year. Um, but then we have to factor in the interests on the loans. Mm-hmm. We can assume the, the loans are interest only because, um, Mike, you mentioned the purchase price yes, and yes. the loan balance is the same. Yep. So we, yeah, again, can assume that, that you purchased one property way back when yep. for $260,000 yep. know, and you borrowed you know, pretty much the whole a whole amount uh, and it's now currently valued at $600,000. So essentially the holding costs, uh, if you add the interest on... At three and a half percent, and who knows what interest rates are at this point in time? Like, yep. there's such a variance in yep. terms of people yep. have got a two in front of yep. their loans yep. for some of them, but others are still up, uh, especially on investment and yep. interest-only property. I think three and a half percent is 3.5% relatively 4, fair 4%, 4% there, because
1: so. as you said, the two parts to it are that investment investment debt is uh, a little bit higher, and interest-only debt is, is tends to be a little bit higher. Little so higher even if your rate. home loan is at two point eight percent, which yep. is, craziness but you you um yeah i think three and a half percent you've been you've been fair there michael
0: i'll I'll, I'll agree with that (laughs) so the the three debts two hundred and sixty thousand dollars on property one two hundred and eighty thousand dollars on property two four hundred thousand dollars on property three yeah at three and a half percent rate of interest that's almost thirty three thousand dollars in interest each year thirty two thousand nine hundred so we know that the rent coming in is fifteen thousand six hundred or thereabouts after the after the holding costs of the property, if we subtract thirty-two thousand nine hundred uh, in interest yep. costs on the loan, uh, that means Mike and Janina are, are paying out of their own pocket about seventeen thousand three hundred p to top up yep. uh, to meet the to meet the uh, to meet the interest costs. Yeah. To, but what about their tax deduction, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is tax deductible. So that 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 figure there is what they call negative gearing. So effectively, yep. um, you have. Uh, minus seventeen thousand three hundred in yeah. the whole box and dice. Yep, you have seventeen thousand three hundred more costs than is what coming in rent. Um, this is a simple way to do it because accountants will argue with us there because yeah. they'll say, yeah. "No, yeah. There's, there's certain things that you don't include in that." Yep, yeah. um, such as uh, I, I, I guess maintenance tends to be about the same figure as depreciation. Yes, yeah, so so like, I'll use depreciation. Weird. So. Yeah. so um, we're not, yeah. I mean, it's all ballpark sort of stuff. So, yeah. so about seventeen thousand three hundred each year. Mike and Janine are chipping in, yeah, out of their own pocket mm-hmm. uh, to top up the whole thing. So, if you were to sell, so if you just sell right now, Mike, let's have a look at the capital gains tax issue. So, three properties, six hundred thousand dollars each, um, one point mm-hmm. eight million dollars of total property. Yeah, that you'd be selling for. Yeah. Um, so look, the, costs. the real estate costs come to. Forty-seven thousand seven hundred in total on That's that the board, yep. you, which is um, effectively five percent commission on the first eighteen thousand dollars of each property sale, and then two and a half percent on the balance. So, it comes to forty-seven thousand seven hundred. I've I've actually made legal costs, conveyancing, transfers, and incidentals um, add up to four thousand one hundred per property, which is about ballpark figure. So yep. twelve thousand three hundred in total for the three. Mm-hmm. So, real estate costs and legals, transfers, and incidentals, $12,360,000 of total costs yep. in selling those properties. Yep. Um, which so actually it, comes off the cost, off base, the cost base, or yep. it's added to the cost base, or it comes off the sale price. Yep. I can't remember exactly which one. Yeah, accountants might argue with me there <laughs> yeah. again as well. Yep. But accountants would argue, and then we'd get... Like the six point is the, the other so, <laughs> so, effectively, it's treated as a cost yep. um, to selling. So, $1.8 million... Less $60,000 in sale costs, less paying the loans out, $940,000 leaves $800,000 of net proceeds yep. before paying capital gains tax. Yep. And before disper- uh, yep. Yeah, after paying at the debts and the and yep. the real estate costs and all yep. that, it leaves eight hundred thousand dollars from one point eight million dollars of total sale. And
1: as you said, this is a great case study because the calculation on your capital gains is, is exactly the same because the purchase price is yes. is what your what your lines are. Your capital gains is
0: is that same figure. It's eight hundred thousand. It is so that's yeah. the gain that you've got the only realized. caveat there and this is this is one just to be careful of. Um, people assume that that what they actually paid for the property yes. is the cost base of the property. So, yep. um, to give you an example here, you pay you pay um, two hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a property. Yep. You sell it for six hundred thousand um, dollars. You would assume that your capital gain is three hundred and twenty thousand dollars because yep. the cost and the purchase price was yep. two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Um, what actually what actually reduces the cost base and therefore increases the capital gain is it's depreciation, depreciation. Yeah. on the property. So that your accountant may yeah. be claiming depreciation on those properties on the way through, yeah. on the way through, yeah. um, which lowers yeah. the cost base. Yeah. Any any improvements that you do to the property, yeah, um, aren't aren't claimed in that financial year as a yeah. tax deduction. They add back yeah. to the cost base.
1: Yeah. So, and so what you've done originally there is basically just they're awash effectively mm. with each other for the for this purpose of this calculation. Is we've just said that forget about that. Whatever whatever depreciation has been offset by improvements done. Yes. You know, so you, you've said that there's a gain here of eight hundred thousand dollars.
0: Yes, and whilst it's fresh in my memory, I'll yeah. say also that that. Um, if anyone wants to see the workings of this, please email us to mo50.com.au. at We'll mention that again later and towards yep. the end. Yep. Um, we'd be only too happy to Except provide good. you with all the figures so you can yep. listen again to the podcast yep. and actually yep. go through these figures. But um, effectively, let's assume that the, the remaining funds of $800,000 is also the capital gain yep. in this case. Um, So we have capital gains of $100,000. Mike and Janine have $800,000 of cash in their bank because they've paid out the loans, um, they've paid the real estate costs and the legals and the transfers, and they have $800,000 of um, money in their bank effectively before paying capital gains. So capital gains. um, Again, uh, first of all, we'll assume that these properties have been uh, for longer than 12 months. I think it's fair to say that they have been. Um, given the yeah. amount of capital growth, yep. So um, a big one there is that that capital gains are halved. Yeah, there's a 50 discount on, 50% on assets owned for
1: more than 12 months on
0: assets owned uh, yeah for more than 12 months, as just as Dallas just uh, mentioned. So 800 thousand dollars comes down to 400 thousand dollars. Yep. Going to assume also that um, Mike, I think he did mention that Mike and Janine own these properties together. Yep. So what that means is that there's $400,000 of remaining capital gain, yep. and that splits up two ways, yep. and two hundred goes to Mike, two hundred goes to Janine. Now, to clear up another misconception about capital gains tax, capital gains tax is just as if you had yeah. another yeah. job yep. and, and went and earned $200,000.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point, because I hear that a lot where people go, what is... What is the rate of capital gains tax? And that's a, a good point to make is that it's just like any other income. I think yep. that the the thing that people get a bit confused about is the fifty percent discount. That's just that just reduces the amount of gain that gets added to your taxable income. Yeah. But as you said here, in this case, they've got eight hundred thousand. It's it's fifty percent. There's a discount for owning it for more than twelve months, and then that that is split between the two of them because these assets are owned jointly. Yep. That two hundred thousand dollars worth of income gets added to their 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 tax income in exactly the same way as if they went and yes. got another job and earned that. Um, yeah. Or did something else. So.
0: so the so what we'll refer to as the full rack rate. Yep. Of capital gains tax. So with any strategy work whatsoever. Yeah. If Mike and Janine. And we've had to make assumptions for this yep. because um, yep. um, he didn't go into the level of detail of how much they earn but let's assume they'd both earn a salary of ninety thousand dollars yeah uh, each so if that was the case and um, another two hundred thousand dollars each of accessible capital gain tacked on to their yep. marginal rates of tax uh, if 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 the properties were all sold in two thousand twenty twenty one yeah um, what it would happen is the full rack rate of capital gains tax that they'd pay is one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Yep. So, 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 um, and this this is again,
1: like you said, we won't go into the details here. But this this takes into account our progressive tax system in Australia. As we've said, it's not progressive <laughs> in terms of forward thinking. It's that the first ninety thousand uh, dollars is taxed at a lower rate. From ninety thousand dollars onwards, is taxed at a slightly higher rate. Yeah. Uh, and up to one hundred and eighty thousand, and then. Beyond is taxed slightly higher, so yep. that's assuming, like you said, their first ninety thousand dollars comes from their their work, and then this is just tacked on and, and taxed at that relatively yep. high rate. So, uh, depending on you, depending on their income, that's the point you're making. the The actual amount that they pay there might be slightly higher or yes. lower than that yeah, hundred seventy, right. but it's it's a good uh, I think good average to, to work on.
0: Yeah, again, assuming that they um, they both earn ninety thousand dollars. Yep. Fair enough for assumption, I think. Yeah. Um, so so. Now, um, so 170,000 is a full rack rate. We'll talk in a minute about how we use strategy to get that down quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. But the first comparison that I like to make is that if they actually waited until they retired,
1: yeah. So, and like you said, this is the to me the most common strategy that I hear of is people go, well, yeah. we'll hold this property, wait till we retire. Then the year after we retire, we'll sell it because, as you said, we can't live on 16 yeah. grand a year. We're going to sell these properties in that first year, so that, and I think this is the point that you're getting to is that. The most people the plan the point of that
0: is to minimize capital gains tax. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and and it does. Yeah. Um it doesn't eliminate so one of the misconceptions is that it eliminates it. Yeah. And it may, if the capital gain was low enough. Yeah. But in this case, yeah. um, four hundred thousand dollars of assessable capital gain. Yeah. Um, what would happen if Mike and Janine let's let's use a real simple scenario. They retired on the thirtieth of June. Yep. Yeah. And um, so of, in five years time yep. and then they sold on the 1st of July the three properties mm-hmm. um, what would happen is that they they would still have $400,000 of capital gain yep. in that new financial year um, they wouldn't have $90,000 each yep. of income, of though, income because yep. they'd just retired the year before so using our progressive tax <laughs> brackets <laughs> yeah. um, they'd pay a little bit less tax because how it, how it, how it pans out is just that that um, some of that $200,000 of capital gain each would be oh, no, at 0% it. tax and then yep. some would be at, at 19%, at 19% yep. and some would be at 32.5% and yep. so on and so on. So yep. they'd still pay $133,466 in capital gains tax yep. if they waited until they retired. So the differential between selling now at $170,000 of total full rack rate yep. of capital gains tax um 133,466 of full rack rate capital gains tax if they waited yeah till they retired is a differential 36, of 000. about 36,000 yep. so I, so I it's not a big amount
1: no well that's that was surprising i mean we i knew that there would be some tax payments but i was kind of surprised that these yeah. figures were that this the differential wasn't wasn't more as a percentage like you mm. said 170,000 reducing to 133,000 you still, you are still paying a lot of tax there, and you, yes, and and so that difference of thirty six thousand, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not going from one hundred seventy thousand to zero dollars, which I think no. is intuitively what most people think uh, would it, happen. It, it is, it is intuitively. They kind um, of go, well, I'm retired, like, yeah. I don't pay tax anymore. Yeah, you go, well, if you have enough income in that year, you are paying tax, yeah, and that's, that's, right. that's sort of what you've compared. Yeah, um, the the. Before I forget about it, the, the the one that I wanted to sort of uh, talk about is what you hear a lot is people people are then optimizing for minimizing that tax in retirement. So, yeah. going instead of selling all three of these properties in this year, we might sell one now and one the next year and one the year after, and it becomes a five year stage strategy yeah. to exit. Uh, a couple of things there. If you're gonna if you're gonna compare that, then you'd actually have to compare. Um, the sell-down strategy now in do one in this year one and yes. next year one in the year after, yeah. um, which would actually reduce that the, the actual capital gains payable uh, in the first scenario, and secondly, what you're not, what you're not taking a lot of the time if you're optimising for minimising that capital gains, you yeah. can do it, but there's a lot of money that's going out of those holding costs as we've just well, seen there. Yeah, that,
0: that clearly comes back to opportunity cost, doesn't yeah. it? So yeah, it wraps it all right. up nicely in, yeah. in opportunity cost. There's yeah. a lot of holding costs. Yeah. Um, there's that period of time there that you actually yep. uh, aren't earning any yep. income or yep. very little income, yep. not, certainly not enough to survive off. Yep. Um,
1: and that's, that's I think, um, we'll, we'll get to at the very end, we're yep. talking about when to keep and when to sell, but I think that's that's probably a point is that if you're, if you, like many people, you just can't stomach the thought of cutting a cheque to the ATO for 170000 yes. it's not as easy as, um, oh, well, I don't want to cut that cheque, so I'm not going to have to cut one at yep. all. And, yep. and secondly, if you're really feel that sick about it and you can't can't pull yourself to pull it can't get yourself to pull the trigger on doing that right now you you can do a phased sale now and next
0: yeah. financial year and year after well it, what it what it generally ends up happening is that even if you wanted to sell three properties tomorrow mm. um, by the time you actually uh, yeah. lo- logistically sell them yeah because there's not a guaranteed buyer tomorrow yeah it ends up yeah. being yeah. a bit of a phased yeah. thing anyway like yeah. it ends up that's exactly right. know, one comes in this financial year another yeah. one goes in the next financial year and, yeah um, so yeah. so forth so, so yeah um, so we'll go back to so to so let's assume let's assume here that the best thing to do is to sell right now because yep. of opportunity cost. so we're going to talk about the calculations there yeah so the decision um, would be to sell the three properties yep. if you could sell them tomorrow Yeah. for um, for that figure that we that we discussed one point eight million dollars yep. um, sixty thousand dollars of of Selling costs, $940,000 of loans to pay out. You get $800,000 in the bank after that uh, before you pay any capital gains tax. We just said before that you, the full rack rate of selling those three properties, assuming Mike and Janine each earn $90,000 each, would be $170,000 of capital gains tax. Um, With strategy, and this this relies on many different factors, but with strategy, That could come down from one hundred and seventy thousand dollars down to one hundred and twenty three thousand six hundred in total tax. Yeah, and and what that what that utilises is the. Concessional contribution carry forward legislation. Yeah, we have done podcasts. We have done this, podcasts on, on this. I yeah. so go back and have a listen. To I, that.
1: I, I love, I love the name of it. I love the
0: strategy <laughs> of it. I love everything about it. The concessional contributions <laughs> yeah. carry forward. It's well, a, I, I love, uh, I love that we've stuck it to the tax man. <laughs> He's still got us for one hundred and twenty-three <laughs> yeah, thousand dollars, right. but uh, yeah. we might yeah. be clicking our heels yeah. jumping out yeah. of the tax office. But, but uh, yeah, but we've, we've we've been managed to to reduce it down a bit. So yeah, here's how this works. Yeah. Um, we're going to assume. So again, go back to those oh, income assumptions. Ninety thousand dollars each. Yeah. Um, um. What that means is that is that Mike and Janine. Your employers would be paying in nine point five percent super guarantee contribution on that. Um, if we use a basic assumption, yep. of course, that may not be exactly the that's case. Uh, that's eight thousand five hundred and fifty dollars each per in year. in concessional contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Mike did mention, and this is this is typical of of people that do have debt on on multiple properties, is that he alluded to the fact that. Um, they haven't contributed to their superannuation yep. in the past. Yep. And that makes sense because they haven't actually been yep. able to afford to because they've been holding the, the property. Yep. So what we're also going to assume is that for the last three financial years, including this one now, only 8550 each has gone in from their employer. Yep, They were able to contribute up to $25,000 yep. each. Um each so year, so that's your concessional contributions that's your cap. Concessional is that twenty five thousand? previously, then, that disappeared. Yeah, if you hadn't used lost, it, lost forever. Lost Didn't forever. Lost time. Time. But um, through the uh, concessional contributions carry forward cap, yep. we can now uh, effectively carry it forward, carry that forward, and use it in one financial year. And the the time to use it is when you do sell. That's right. Yeah, uh, something so, for a capital gain. So twenty five thousand minus eight thousand five hundred and fifty. Yep. For each year, um, basically leaves over $49,350. 49,350. So, they
1: can, so they can make that amount as a concessional contribution in this financial year. So yep. almost, almost fifty thousand dollars each of that yep. can go into super. Uh, now that gets taxed at fifteen percent as a contribution to tax on the way in. But uh, I mean, that's that's fairly obvious. You can sort of see the point of where we're going. There is that. A fifteen percent contributions tax on that fifty thousand is a yep. lot less than than if that was just yep. taxed at you
0: at your highest marginal tax rate. Yes, that's exactly right. So that's forty nine thousand three hundred and fifty each. Yep. And just just to clear up because there's a lot of figures getting thrown around here, this is the difference between the eight thousand five hundred and fifty that's mm-hmm. gone in um, yep. over the last fine three financial years from their employer less than, um sorry um, twenty five
1: thousand less twenty five thousand
0: less eight thousand five hundred and fifty. Yep. The difference there times by three financial years is yep. $49,350 each yep. that they could actually make as a contribution to super first, yep. um, claiming that as a concessional contribution, yep. which effectively um, reduces their their capital gain or their taxable yep. income by yep. that same amount. Yeah, by 49350 So, yep. If you imagine it, the way that I imagine this is... That the first forty nine thousand three hundred and fifty of that two hundred thousand capital gain each is capped at fifteen percent tax, as opposed to in the previous scenarios, they were paying thirty nine percent tax on that amount. Yep. Um, So they pay less tax there Um, through the tax brackets. Then they they. So um, even
1: allowing for your contributions tax there that's that's what you've covered off on in there and that's
0: that's their total tax bill of, yeah so we won't go through the figures it's it's going to be too confusing over a podcast but like we said just email us yep. at podcast at mo50.com.au yeah and we'll we'll forward through the the working yes. sheet here Yep. So um, effectively, what it does is it reduces a hundred and seventy thousand dollars of total capital gains tax down to one hundred and twenty three thousand six hundred eleven dollars. Yeah. So it's a fair reduction. Yep. Yeah. So um, and in fact, it's a, it's it's less than what they were going to pay in, in full total. rack rate in capital the, gains yeah, tax in, 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 retirement. Retirement. in the first year of their retirement because yeah. they could they could take advantage of a bit of strategy yeah. in that first year of retirement yeah. also, that but in this fun. case. Yeah. Um, uh, they're able to sell now yep. pay a capped amount of $123,611 in capital gains tax including the super contributions tax paid so when I look at that his opportunity cost um, they've got $800,000 in the bank yep. after paying out the loans on those properties mm-hmm. um, they pay $123,611 in total capital gains tax yep. and, and super, super tax yep. which Leave six hundred and seventy six thousand three hundred and eighty nine, yeah, um, to effectively go into their superannuation yeah. fund, so and that's the amount that goes in ah, they've after paid that tax. Same yeah. tax, so, so,
1: so that's I guess where they get to is before this they had one point eight million dollars worth of property with that debt remaining. They've now sold all those properties, paid off all their debt, paid off all the paid all capital gains tax, all super contributions tax, and they're left with in their super fund a lot six hundred and seventy six thousand.
0: Yes, and we know that they qualify for the for the concessional contributions carry forward. Yep. Um, because of the fact that their total combined superannuation balance is four hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yep. So that's a good point. just wanna be careful of. Yeah. That each individual can have no more than five hundred thousand dollars. Total In total superannuation. So, so total superannuation balance. Yep. The previous thirtieth of June. Yep. So if they're doing it right now, yep. they'd go back and yep. look at the 30th of June 2020 superannuation balance, yep. combined balances of all their super funds, each yep. individual. Yep. As long as they're less than half a million dollars they can for do each that. individual, they can um, take into and tap into that, uh, yep. take advantage of and tap into that yep. concessional contributions, carry forward, yep. which is effectively like turning back turning back time yep. over yep. the last three years. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, as you said, the opportunity cost, this is a great example where. So the comparison is they have they had this prop they had these properties they had this debt and now they have this lump sum of money inside this super. The opportunity cost, which we we touched on briefly before, um, which we uh, I'm sure that's where you're going to go to next, mm. is that not only have they changed that over, but they have now freed up seventeen thousand three hundred dollars a year yes. worth of that's what it was costing them out of their pocket every year yep. before the tax deduction, which you'll talk I'm sure about. Why that's a fair comparison, but we've yeah. now freed up we've freed up that lump sum to go into super and be invested,, yeah. but we've also freed up seventeen thousand three hundred dollars a year
0: yeah, yeah, so it makes a big difference, and um, uh, Mike, you mentioned over five years, so it makes a difference over five years. If this was ten years, this would make an even bigger difference here, yeah. um, but essentially what happens is that is that from that eight hundred thousand dollars. Of net proceeds, the tax is paid 123,611. Yep. So, a total of 676,389 can go into um, your combined superannuation for mm-hmm. Mike and Janine. Yep. Um, let's just imagine it's half of that amount each. Doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, in fact, it would have to be half yep. each because there's some other legislation that we have to yep. to, to come around. Yep. But um, uh, effectively, that money goes in. Dallas, you mentioned the 17300 uh, per year that they were paying in um, out-of-pocket expenses to hold those properties. Yep. Um, that can now go into superannuation and be claimed as a tax deduction. Yep. So every we financial we've, we've year. used the
1: carry forward for the previous three Except financial years. <laughs> and, and now moving yep. forward we can we can use that money to to make those concessional contributions in each financial year. Yes. And And they claim that as a
0: tax deduction just as they claim the So that's the that's that's the like for like comparison. So so it's a like for like
1: that seventeen thousand three hundred is before tax uh, out of pocket expenses. The money going to super
0: is before tax out of pocket
1: expenses. So six hundred
0: and seventy six thousand and a bit of change in total goes into superannuation plus seventeen thousand three hundred uh, per year. annum I've only done that for four years because yep. we used the carry forward in this year, year. Yep. Um, at a 6.8% big caveat here this is not a guaranteed return yep. No. Yep. but an assumed 6.8% net rate of, um, return. Net rate of return each year that six hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars plus seventeen thousand three hundred per year for four years compounds out to a bit over a a million and four thousand dollars. Do you love
1: it? you love it like. when you have a spreadsheet this big and the, <laughs> and the end result lines up with one million and four thousand dollars? Such a neat figure. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we haven't cooked the books here. I, I, I can tell you that this is just lined up perfectly. That, that's yeah, what yeah. you're left with in, in four years' time.
0: And, and look, backing up a little bit, um, before we looked at all of this, where. 99.9% of retirees in Australia want their money to end up yeah. is in superannuation yeah. the, by the time that they retire. Yeah. because And they want at least $1.5, $1.6 million per couple yeah. in there. So um, starting with that assumption there, yeah. what this has been able to do is to get that money into superannuation at an earlier stage. Yeah. It's been taxed at a reduced rate yeah. than internally inside superannuation. Yep. For the next five years, yep, and it's the compounding effect of, yeah, you know, no, um, no maintenance cost, no real estate cost, no insurance, no rates, no yep. water, no, yeah, you know, all those types of things. Yeah, coming, it's the compounding and and no interest on in the loan. It's the compounding of that over the next five years that grows that from six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars to about, you know, yep. a bit over a million dollars. Yep, um, it's in the right environment because the day that um, they retire, they, they retire. Um, at being 56 now, in five years' time, they'll be over 60, if my math is correct. Uh, and you'd want to hope it is. Uh, so <laughs> um, they can basically so turn that into a tax-free yep. superannuation income stream or account-based pension. Yep. And just think of that as like having a tax-free company. Yep. Now, um, the, so that's where they wanted that money to end up. Anyway, yeah. Regardless of if they sold in five years or if they yeah. sold in four years or three years or whatever, yeah. So, so um,
1: yeah. I guess a point that I, I we, we sort of we've glossed over, it, I think, because we mm-hmm. instinctively know this, but um, one of the questions that Mike had about was whether it's, whether regulation allows you to get that money into super, and yeah. so so I guess two parts that as well. That we talk we've talked about concessional contributions and, yep. and that that fifty thousand sort of each, uh, not quite fifty thousand each going in. There's also uh, after-tax contributions that you can make, and so that's where we're saying you're putting that $676,000 in. What you can actually do is, is put additional amounts. It's up to $100,000 each per year that can yep. go into super, but you can actually bring forward three years' worth of those contributions. Yep. So, what we've, you, know, if, you, if that's you're listening a, along again, a great point to make. We're, yeah. we're slightly over the $600,000, yeah, which yeah. is three hundred thousand each. But what are what are we assumed here is if you sell that sell these properties throughout this financial year, what you'd probably do in reality is you'd put a hundred thousand each in this financial year. Yep. And then in next financial year you'd put three hundred thousand dollars each. You've got yeah. all of that money yeah, you can do up to three hundred thousand you've got all that money into superannuation. You've paid no
0: more tax on it on the way in and yes. it's an after tax contribution. Yeah, that's that, that's right. Yeah, good point to make. Yeah. Um the so you can get it in, yeah. Uh, especially being a member of a couple, and you can yeah. you can do it easily over um, a couple two years. financial years, yeah. Yep. So so you can yeah. So having the money in there, that's where you want. Yeah. That's where you want it to be when you when you retire, by yep. the time that you retire. Um, so getting it in there early, so so in effect, what hits the hits the tin is six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of that contributions tax that was paid, yeah. Right now, um, plus the ability to now put seventeen thousand three hundred in yep. each that year for four right, years, right. and the growth. So, really, what happens over the next five years with normal compounding at that six point eight percent rate of return? Yeah. Like we said, it's not definitely not guaranteed, but we go back to averages. Yeah. Um, it turns six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars into one million four thousand dollars. Yep. Over that period of time, so there's 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 um, Yeah, there's a value add there of uh, some almost three hundred and thirty thousand over that time frame,
1: and and so I think the um, the the conclusion that you've the third conclusion that that I think you've you sort of raised there is that um, you sell now or you you sell after, and we'll talk a bit about this to sort of finish up. Is what are your alternatives there? But if you sell now. Uh, versus selling after retirement, I think the, the big things that people tend to think are, I don't want to pay tax, which mm. I completely understand. That no one wants to pay tax, so. Yep. But selling now versus selling in retirement, you, you're not you're not putting your tax bill to zero. So that's no. that's the first thing is that you, you're not going to get around that. You're not going to be able to get yep. tax to zero. So uh, whether you sell now or you sell then, you are going to pay some tax, more than likely. Um, now, that's. To me, the, the the bit about this that is the grey area, um, which I don't know if I've, I've jumped the gun here a bit, but what's interesting is if you if you compare then what would have happened if you hadn't sold there, if you had yeah. sold in five years' time, not just from a tax point of view, but from a net position where we've said here you end up at around the million dollar mark. Yep. Um, what would you What would have to happen before you would have been better off holding those properties?
0: Yeah. So you'd need. We worked out. On the back of an envelope, you'd need <laughs> about an extra $400,000 of capital growth yep. over that period of time yep. across the three properties. Yeah. Um, now, $400,000 of additional capital growth um, means more capital gains tax, of course. Yep. So, yep. Some so that, was where, gains tax say, that was weird. As you said, it was a
1: back of an envelope thinking where we went, if, you, if you've got $300,000 worth of capital growth, yep. you've got a bit more capital gains tax. Uh, a little bit more in sales, costs, not a huge amount more. Um, you are you are going to be worse off if you've got yep. four hundred thousand dollars or more of capital growth. You are you, that's about the, that's about the sweet spot where you are yep. probably going to be slightly better off. Yes, Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So I, again, if those properties collectively grew from one point eight million dollars to two point two million dollars over yep. the next five years, yeah, you would be you would be generally, yeah. We always say generally because it's yeah. it's subject to yeah. market many, fluctuations many things, yeah. that we don't know what's yeah. going to happen over that period of time. But you would yeah. generally be better off. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you would generally have broken even. Yeah. Yep. With um compared to selling now, yeah. getting that money into superannuation earlier. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually not having any holding costs. Yeah. Using that full seventeen thousand three hundred yeah. a year that you were paying in yeah. in subsidising the yeah. cost of the properties. To put into your superannuation fund and claim that as a tax deduction, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, that 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 turns, like I said, six hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars of funds, net net funds, eight hundred thousand less the one hundred and twenty-three thousand of capital gains tax. Yeah. Six hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars goes into your super fund. It turns into one million and four thousand dollars over that period of time, and it's just through just yeah. through that compounding. Yeah. And again, the caveat there is that that assumes you get a six point eight percent rate yeah. of return, and and you know you can only work on. Assumptions yeah. at this point in time, but yeah, I, I think B. the the, yeah. the
1: big one for me when I th- when I think about this is that, and, and this is a whole podcast in and of itself. I think if we compare, um, the the what what risks are you taking to keep these properties versus what risks are you taking putting that money yeah. into super and having that diversified across. Uh,
0: you well, know, you can uh, diversify. Look, I've I've put the the entire conclusion down to selling now or selling after retirement is assurance versus uncertainty. So. That's what I put it down to. So the CGT can be managed. Yep. Um, if you sell now, uh, there's a misconception that you don't pay CGT in a retirement. Yeah. You do and you would. So, yep. look, selling now gives you, I think, a little bit more assurance. Yeah. Because you, um, um, it's a two way street, of course. Yeah. Because what you're relying on, say, five years, because each of those properties is quite a substantial debt still on. Yeah. You're actually relying on the assumption that the, the value is going to be at least $600,000 each. Yeah. Yep. And plus and, more. And plus more. Yeah. Um, now, that's... there's every chance, of course, because property can go backwards. Yep that the value of those properties yeah. is so, worth less than that.
1: So what I... Uh, what and I then was, that's magnified by the debt in yeah, that case because yeah. you haven't paid the debt out. That was what I found interesting. So when I when we looked at these figures and I went, right, 400000 is about, the, 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 in round figures, that's about the amount that it needs to be worth more. And you work backwards from that and say, what... And, and most people don't think in this way, but I guess this is our, our job, is that what percentage, what what does these properties have to grow by in percentage terms over the next five years to yeah, achieve yeah. that? And again, breaking it down even more, if these properties grow by 5% or more per year, you will be slightly better off. Yep. If they grow by 4% or less, you will be worse off. Yes. And yep. and and the only, and I think the big one with this is that, because it's too easy to look at it and go 1.8, point they're probably about the same. If you said yeah. to someone if you're assuming that this is going to grow by more than 5% per year yeah that doesn't line up with historical averages so yeah. that that is and that's the big takeaway for me is that that is you are relying on growth that is more than historical averages so yeah. it may it may happen it may not happen yeah. but you are working on something that is less likely rather than more likely Yes. so that's that's kind of the big one for me is you go as we've said you know, you put that money in the super. It's not a guaranteed rate of return, but no. But this one point eight turning into two point two, to me, that's even that's even riskier.
0: It, yeah. Look, look, it is, and and and. Um, well, I, th- I think it is because because of the level of debt that's against the profits. Yeah, because debt really magnifies, or it magnifies either way. Yeah. A gain or a loss. Yeah. So it does magnify gain because yeah. you've got just, more of that. Just actually. sort of
1: a great analogy. It's like a, it's like a skyscraper. The, the taller <laughs> it is, the more that wind affects it. It's yeah. that same sort of thing where if you've got a, a shorter, wider building, it, yeah. isn't, it isn't as badly impacted by, yes. the, by those external factors. And It seems like a strange one, but that's sort of how I think of it is. You've got $1.8 million worth of property. Yeah. One percentage point either, In, way, either way is a big impact.
0: It is because it's 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 really um, six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars of net asset, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, that's it's right. one, it's, yep. it's one point eight million dollars of yep. of height. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But if you strip out the yep. real estate costs, which yep. you know you're going to pay at some stage, and the yep. debt that you know you're going to pay off at some yep. stage, and the, gains, and the other couple yep. of gains, it's six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars of money yep. in the hand. Yeah. Um, so, so you're right. Um, hmm. On the height of 1.8 million dollars, the yeah. wind will sway that a lot more. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, if you if you have, um, yeah, in extreme, you might have a 10 percent property yeah. value fall over the next five years. Yeah, and, and in in total, yeah, um, which takes away you know 180 thousand dollars worth of value over there, and then you still got the loans to pay out and yeah. all those types of things. Yeah. So um, I keep coming back to it's it's more about assurance now versus uncertainty. Yeah. So selling now, we think give you more assurance. Yeah. We know the legislation right now. We know that you can get that money into superannuation. We know that it's, it's, you can.
1: It's um, really interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like this is the thing that the way that we think of it is is that assurance versus uncertainty for most people going feel comfortable with those properties, they've held those properties, they've owned them for years, yeah. they, they feel like that is the more sure road to go down. That, yes. They feel like that is safer than put that money into super and yeah. contribute more into it and grow that. Yeah. I guess that's, that's kind of the, the point we're making here. It's, it's just not the, it's not the case. You're really reliant, You are really reliant on that sale price in five years' time being more yes. than... Yeah, that's right. Those properties have to grow by more than historically, on average, what they are likely, what they have grown by. Yes. They have to do that for the next five years, and you are putting all of your eggs in that one basket. If that doesn't happen, your retirement does not look like what you want it to. And if it does happen, great, but you're really really rolling the dice there on on something that is... Whether it happens or you know we could be sitting here in five years' time and, and property prices might have gone up by six percent over that time. But yes, yeah, and I what, would not. We really wanted to rely on. It.
0: And of course, don't let anyone tell you that they know which way anything's going. No. And we're certainly no. not no. saying that at all. Like there's yeah. there's there's every chance that property there's such a range of yeah. what property can grow by. There's such a range of what your superannuation yeah. Yeah. can grow to be yeah. invested it. with a. Yeah, a growth to a high growth I, I strategy, it, but like you said, Dallas, the 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 big differential there is yeah. that you don't have the debt yeah. associated with your, your yep. superannuation, yep. and you can be a lot more diversified because and you I, can be invested yeah you know, in the largest fifteen hundred companies in the world, the largest two hundred companies in Australia, or, or more if you I, want to be.
1: Oh I, uh, yeah, I think this. I've made some notes for a podcast to um, to talk about separately to this, but ties into what I've been thinking about with that which is that when you're looking at your retirement plan you know in this case you've got five years to when you want to retire mm. you don't want the you don't want the possibility of an extremely high you just want the the best range of outcomes yeah. you, you you want to end up with you know in this case you want to go okay we can rely on having between 900 and, and 1.1 million dollars you yes. don't want to go in five years time we might have two hundred thousand or we might have two million yes I think for most people so some people do want that but I think for most people, what you really want is to go, I know I'm going to be in this ballpark in five years' time and yeah. and the strategy of keeping these properties means that yes you might end up with you could end up with you could end up with any sort of amount but you could yeah. also end up with two hundred thousand dollars and yes that's, that's not a risk that i'd be that I'd
0: be wanting to run yes yeah that's right um, the um, yeah the other thing to date as well that you've you've currently Mike, you mentioned you've got four hundred and ten thousand dollars in uh, superannuation at the moment yeah, yeah. so again assuming. Yep. $90,000 each in income yep. and um, reasonable capital growth over that period of time yep. uh, with the contributions going in, that 400000 generally compound out to about $600,000 over the next five years. Yep. yep. So it gets, um, uh, 5, and you've 6, got another million dollars here yep. if you sold the properties now and got that into superannuation. So that gets you to the $1.6 million yep. mark. Uh, which is where you want to be, and, and taking that step back, that proverbial step back that we talk about, yeah. Yeah. um, one point six million dollars. We talk about that a lot in our podcast. Inside a tax-free trust called a superannuation income, yeah, uh, or an account-based pension, effectively lets you earn mm. um, quite a healthy income, yeah. out of that amount. Yeah. So
1: people are going to think we we set these listener questions up because it's it's lined up that where we end up in. In, for where these guys want to retire, is that they end up with one point six million dollars, which is the figure that we talk about often, yep. in in the tax free company, yeah. which is what we talk about often, providing them the the income that they want. so yeah. it's but, uh, it's lined up perfectly.
0: No, it was certainly a uh, a legitimate yeah. legitimate uh, yeah. email <laughs> in.
1: Um, <laughs> the uh, I think before we I think we're getting close to we've been going for an hour, so we better wrap yeah. up soon. Yeah. But um, a couple of points that I just wanted to make as to, this is obviously the case study of what we've looked at right now, and, yeah. and thanks to Mike and Janine, Some of the points that if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation, there's obviously, you can input your own figures and all the rest of it, the, when would it make sense to keep your properties? And when mm. would it make sense not to go down this road of, of finishing up now? So, to the, the big ones uh, that I think of are the tax, is the variable that we've that taken into account. Yeah. Um, which is that if your income is higher now, it's more likely that you would be better off keeping the properties. Yeah. If your income is lower than, than what we've talked about here with Mike and Dean, it's, it's likely that you would be better off selling now. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one variable, is if your income's higher, more likely to be better off keeping. If your income's lower, you're more likely to be better off... Um, and the other big one is that opportunity cost, which is that, uh, Mike's made the point there that they haven't focused on their super as much because mm. they obviously haven't had the cash flow to do so. If you're already maxing out your concessional contributions, it's more likely to make sense for you to retain the properties that you've got. If you're not yeah. maxing out those concessional contributions every year, it's it's very unlikely that you will be burning your properties. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think we've we've talked about this at length, but... That's a real low hanging fruit one. But if you're not maxing out those concessionals, and the reason you're not doing that is because you've got investment properties now, yeah, it's very likely that you'll be better off selling those properties and focusing on maxing. Yeah, out you can you can actually then make
0: those contributions; they're tax deductible too. Yeah, you're yeah. going into a tax advantaged yeah. environment. Yeah, superannuation. So, yeah, yeah, good point to wrap up. Uh, look, that was that was intense. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> <still> Drain there. Let's <laughs> kind of coffee. A, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, so, anyone
1: has any other questions uh, any, any thoughts on if you have any thoughts on this podcast uh, or as we said if you wanted the, the working paper or if you have any other listener questions so if you've got a case study like this or just any other topics that you want us to discuss feel free to flick us through an email at podcast at mo50.com.au
0: thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.